Hall over the line, left side, into the far circle, shoots, he scores! Taylor Hall, his first as a Bruin! Now Mantha moving in close, he scores! And Anthony Mantha has scored in his first four games with the Capitals. Patrick Marlowe is now the all-time record holder in games played in the history of the National Hockey League. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Our Line Starts, fueled by Duncan, and I am fueled today by Keith Jones and Ryan Callahan. What's up, guys? Not much. Good to see you, KT. Good to see you, Callie. Absolutely. Good to see you guys. Good to have you guys here for this one. Uh, we had an awesome weekend on NBC this weekend. We had Pride Day on Saturday in Buffalo with the Pens and the Sabres. On Sunday, the Caps and the Bruins with what was awesome. I mean, this game looked like a playoff game. We'll talk about it in a minute. But then we also followed that up with the IndyCar debut of Jimmy Johnson, which I personally can appreciate because I happened to race Jimmy Johnson once in a go-kart back in the day when I was uh, working in Boston. It was a promotional thing. I thought for sure this would be my opportunity to beat a race car driver, and it did not go that well. So even in a go-kart that goes the same speed, Jimmy Johnson was able to absolutely school me. And Jonesy, I know that you have a bit of a go-kart history as well. Can you tell us about it before we get started with Hockey Talk? Remarkably, Katie, we were talking about it yesterday. My first job ever was at a go-kart track. The, it was called Benmar. It's near Brantford. It's uh, in the middle of kind of nowhere where everybody goes, all the kids go. But my, my job was to take the tickets for every lap that you went around and you would hand me the ticket. It was also to police the go-kart track if anyone was doing anything that was considered to be too aggressive out there and bumping other cars. And um, I had my own gar- go-kart that was not governed, so it went really fast. <laughs> and somebody that I let on the, on the course that I think had a few too many beverages and adult beverages and drove through the tires and went directly across the driving range, which was also attached to the go-kart. And then there was a mini golf down further. And then there was the road even further than that. So this guy who was uh, overserved took this cart for a joyride and he was on his way. So I had to hop in mine, which was much faster. I chased him down across while everyone was trying to hit me with the golf balls as they're driving their shots. And uh, by the time he hit the, entrance to the roadway there was a ditch that he got stuck in because he couldn't quite make the jump from one to the other so i i jumped out of my car and i wrestled him to the ground and he was arrested he was arrested for uh, driving while impaired and i got my big article in the newspaper in brantford it was a very proud moment for me but that was my first job at a go-kart track great memories oh my god great story yeah callie i would ask you if you have a go-kart story but i'm gonna guess that it doesn't top that one yeah, nothing that compares to that. So I'll, I'll bow out of this one. Jonesy, that's all you. <laughs> Good Beautiful. Stuff. I love story time with Jonesy. All right. Well, before Jimmy Johnson and IndyCar made their debut on NBC, we had an unbelievable game between the Capitals and the Bruins. 
Bruins. And guys, I want to talk about some of the additions for these two teams because here they already were coming into the trade deadline as two of the best teams in the East. They got even better with these minor, it seemed like they would be minor tweaks to their lineup, but they're significant players right now. And I'm speaking about Anthony Mantha for the Capitals now on a four game goal streak. And Taylor Hall is just playing so well with that second line with the Bruins. Um, Callie, I'm curious to get your thoughts on how these new additions have looked so far to you in these, in both of these lineups. Yeah, I mean, I guess starting with uh, Boston, I just love them going out and, and getting the big fish in Taylor Hall. I mean, there's no question that this team has needed secondary scoring for, for quite some time. I remember playing them in the playoffs uh, a couple of years ago, and I think that top line put up seven points on us game one and, and blew us out in Tampa. And then after that, we're like, all right, let's cover these guys. We end up winning the next four. So that's a team that needed secondary scoring went out and got Hall and Obviously, he was excited to come in. You see the jump he has, the way he's skating, the way he's playing. Um, it's fitting very well with Krejci, who's been dying for a winger for quite some time now. So I've, I've been really impressed with that move for them and, and how well he's fit in. And it's really a similar situation in Detroit, where I guess you could argue, obviously, both Hall and Mantha have had some uh, hiccups this year, especially, where there's been questions about their play. Uh, for Mantha in Detroit, he was a bit of an enigma. He could be an outstanding player on one night and then have two or three games in a row where he was unnoticeable. Um, so they both come in looking for fresh starts, which I think is awesome. They both uh, fulfill needs on the respective teams. Washington, pretty deep team in all, in all areas, but another scoring left winger that's got size and strength, kind of fits the mold of their team, is a really good fit. And I think Brian McCullen did an outstanding job in that deal as well. Gave up a lot. Verona's a good young talent. He's going to be a good player in this league and a couple of first-round picks also heading to Detroit. So as much as Stevie Eisenman you know, got rid of a talented guy that they couldn't get as much out of as they wanted to, the Capitals benefit from that. And short-term, I think uh, the Mantha trade is going to go a long way in helping them have a really good chance of coming out of the division. Yeah, and if you're Anthony Mantha and Taylor Hall right now, and actually some of the other guys that got traded at the deadline, and you were able to come in and have an instant impact, and it's got to feel pretty good for them to be able to score goals, to be able to provide some success as a new guy in town. And I want to ask both of you guys, based on your experience, I mean, Jonesy, you got traded to Colorado and also Philadelphia. Callie, you went to Tampa Bay after a storied career as a captain of the Rangers, and you go down there. What exactly was it like for you guys when you scored your first goal or you made a big impact right off the bat in, in your new acquisition your new, with your new team? Well, I, I got traded to Colorado from Washington the, the year after the Avalanche had won the cup in their first season in Colorado. I was traded for Chris Simon, who at that time, arguably the toughest guy in the league, if not one of them. So I was at, I added to an Avalanche team that did not have any big tough guys left. And I remember my first game being chased around the ice in Anaheim by Ken Baumgartner, who knew I had a lot of coverage in Philadelphia or in Washington because I had Craig Berube on my team and uh, a lot of other big tough guys like Alan May <laughs> as well that were there to have my back. And all I remember is him saying, Berube's not here, Berube's not here, Berube's not here every time I skated down the ice past their bench. But that my first game, I took a penalty with a minute left uh, on Yari Curry. Um, uh, it was a holding penalty. They ended up scoring, tying the game 1-1. And, and those at that time, there was no shootouts or overtime. So the game actually ended in a tie. That wasn't a great first impression when you're sitting in the penalty box. But I did score the next three games. 
And all three goals were eventually game-winning goals. They weren't, like, scored when it was 3-3 with two minutes left in the third period. They were scored to make it, like, 4-1 to one at the time, and the other team would score a couple goals. But um, that was a good feeling. I think it's important that you get on the board early, that you establish some uh, good feelings, and also uh, prove to the guys on your new team that you, there's more to your game than just, uh, you know, running around and being an idiot. You can actually produce a little bit. So it was important, I think, to get off to a good start. Yeah, Jonesy, I mean, that times have changed from when I was traded. There's no tough guys like that chasing me around, thank God. But uh, but I was traded for Marty St. Louis. So, I mean, that was uh, quite the trade in itself where I'm going to a Tampa Bay team that um, probably the, one of the most historic guys in their franchise and, and Marty St. Louis going the other way. So for me to get off to a quick start, it, you know, I really wanted to just to make an impact. And um, when I first got in there, they said to me, you know, you're not going to fill Marty St. Louis' shoes, which I knew I wasn't going to be able to do, obviously. Um, just play your game, which was really good for John Cooper and Steve Eiserman to say that to me, just to kind of calm my nerves. And I remember in that first game, I, I went and uh, we ended up getting overtime into a shootout, and I got to go in the shootout, and it would have been the game-deciding goal if I would have scored in the shootout, but I missed. Um, that would have been nice. But luckily, uh, the next game, I ended up getting my first goal, and it does help. It just calms your nerves. Um, you feel a lot of pressure going in. Like, you know, you need to make an impact with your new team, with the guys, with the organization. And uh, I remember scoring that first goal, and it was kind of just a, a little bit of a weight off my shoulders saying, you know, okay, settle down now. You can play your game. You know, you got that one out of the way. So it goes a long way to get that first one. And Paul and Mantha, they've, uh, they've definitely made an impact pretty quickly on both teams, uh, you know, a couple times being on the score sheet. Yeah, they certainly have. And I, I would imagine it was tough, you know, for them and for other players to catch wind that you are getting traded. I mean, sometimes that can be the hardest call a player receives, whether you're going to a playoff team or you're leaving a playoff team because you're part of the piece that's going to go the opposite direction. Uh, Jonesy, what was it like for you getting the call from when you were traded to the Flyers? How did that all go down? Well, I, I, I read the trade in the newspaper on my way into the morning to, to practice in Colorado, and I, I, no one had called me or anything. I just read this little clip that Keith Jones was traded uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers, and I was like, this is before internet was really that relevant, right? So I uh, bring my, the newspaper into the room, and I, I, I'm like, guys, I've been traded. You know, they're like, no, you haven't. I go, no, it's right here. I got the article. It says I've been traded. No, you're still here. So two hours went by. Like, I literally – was had half my gear on to go out for practice. I was sitting beside Patrick Waugh, and he's like, why do you want to be traded? I said, I didn't say I want to be traded. I have the <laughs> article right here. I've been traded. So anyway, they called me upstairs like twenty, like a few minutes later, and I said to Patrick, see, I told you that I was traded. So I went upstairs, and they're like, uh, Pierre Lacroix is like, uh, Bobby Clark wants to talk to you on the phone. So I get on the phone with Bobby Clark, and as we all know, a legend, right? And I was like, this is, this is cool. So uh, he says to me, Jones, we play Florida tonight. We don't need you for that game, but we have the Devils tomorrow night, and we, we really need you to make it for that game. And I go, hold on. This is the first time I ever talked to Bobby Clark. I said, have you ever looked at my numbers versus the Devils? He's like, what do you mean? I go, well, I've played Marty Brodeur 23 times, and I've never scored a goal. You might want to, you might want to wait till Monday before I arrive, right? And he just uh, – he started to laugh. That was the first introduction I had to, to Clarkie. But so I landed there on Friday night and they were struggling a little bit. It was early in November. 
I did play the next game against the Devils and remarkably scored my first goal ever against Marty Brodeur. Wow. And, and we beat the Devils 6-1, to one and we scored five goals in the third period against, the at that time, an outstanding Devils team. So, again, first impressions do matter. I think I had 12 points in the first five games, which is obviously not what my numbers were, but playing with Lindros and Leclerc was a nice way to get started. Yeah, not too bad. That's awesome. I love that story. Callie, you have any stories like that? I mean, I guess not that crazy. Um, you know, when I, when I got traded, we were going through some contract negotiations, obviously, in New York and, and some issues there and kind of got really quiet uh, the last probably three days leading up to the deadline where, you know, we countered, we agreed on money, we wanted a no move um, in the contract. We really didn't get a call back. So at that point, I knew kind of the writing was on the wall that, you know, I might be traded and Going into the rink that day, we played that day. So we went into the rink. It was just a weird feeling around the room. Um, I did the pregame skate. I came off, and everybody's in the training room, and we were watching Trade Center on, you know, on the TV um, and came across. I think it was Bob McKenzie came across and, you know, said, you know, breaking news, Callahan's been traded to Tampa Bay. And kind of as he said it, the doors open up, and sure enough, it was one of our PR guys in Glenn Sather wants to see you in the, uh, in the lounge. So, um I remember walking in the lounge and, and Slats told me, and, you know, I'll be honest, there's a lot of range of emotions. I really didn't want to go anywhere. Um, I loved my time in New York. Obviously, it meant a lot wearing the sea there. So um, I had an emotional time in the lounge with myself for a little bit. Um, then I came out and, you know, I saw all the guys and it was hard. I mean, you said bye to a lot of guys that I was really, really close with. And um, then I had to make the phone call to my wife, who was mm -hmm. at the time seven months pregnant with our second child. And, um, you know, I told her, I said, I've been traded to Tampa. I got a flight at seven. Um, can you please start putting some of my stuff together? Oh, <laughs> I'm out of here. So it's, uh, she, and she was same thing. She knew that, you know, there was a chance. So it wasn't a shock to her, but uh, it was tough. I mean, you, you know, they fly. And then I got to Tampa and I sat in the hotel room. I remember sitting there and we were playing the next night. I, I had a couple beers by myself and it was just a whirlwind of a day and thinking, I'm like, wow you know, that was a crazy 24 hours and, and everything else. But um, as soon as I got to the rink the next day and saw my teammates, everything was calmed down and your emotions are on you. Yeah, you play that first game. And uh, it was, it was strange. though. that's the first time I was ever traded because I played major junior hockey and I played for the Guelph store my entire career. I was never traded there. And um, it was uh, it was a strange feeling, but uh, it all worked out in the end. It did. Who was the one player, Callie, that kind of greeted you and, and really wanted to take you under his wing or just let you know you were welcome? And you know, was there one guy that stood out more than the rest when you arrived in Tampa? Yeah, I mean, Stamkos was probably the, the one guy that really stood out to me because I didn't, I didn't know, really know anybody on that team. Malone, I spent some time with at the Olympics, but I really didn't know him personally. So I didn't, I didn't have anybody going in there that you know, I, I knew or played with previously. And um, Stammer and Hedman probably were the two that kind of you know, came and took me under their wing a little bit and, and showed me around. So, um, so it was good. I, I, I mean, you know, I have lifelong friends also in Tampa now, so I, I was happy that it worked out there. And the good news for Ryan KT is that uh, he was very well liked and well respected by the opposition as well. Yeah. Uh, the bad news for me is everyone thought I was a complete jerk. So <laughs> well, you I, are. They weren't wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when I would arrive to a new team, I was like, I can remember arriving in Colorado and getting uh, the guys were all having a pregame meal because we had an afternoon game that day in Anaheim, and I just walked into the room. They had just had the 
toughest guy in the league traded, who was a big part of their Stanley Cup championship and Chris Simon. And Curtis LeCision was their alternate captain. And both of those guys were traded for myself and a future first-round pick. So two very important guys have been taken out of their room. They've got a, a table or a room full of guys that are going to the Hall of Fame, like Sackick and Waugh and um, Forsberg, of course, great players like Valerie Kaminsky, Sandus Ozelinch, and Adam Foote. And I just remember walking in there and I said, don't worry, boys, I'm here. I've got you covered from here. And they're just like, they're like this, guy is, this guy is not all there. So it's, it's, it's just what you want to make of it. Like it's, but it's good for players like Ryan that are so well respected. It's probably a little bit easier because I'm sure guys were wondering exactly what was ri- arriving on the flight coming in from uh, Washington. Oh, boy. It worked out so well for Ryan that many of his Rangers teammates joined him in Tampa. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a trend there, Callie. I know. I'm surprised they haven't called me for like a scouting job or something after a recruiting, recruiting <laughs> job. Getting after a getting cut all for that. There's got to be like a percentage that you should be getting. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Well, Jonesy, you getting traded, you know, and, and the reaction of other people that didn't like you on the league kind of would make you think of a player like a Tom Wilson or a Brad Marchand if they get traded. Yep. I mean, there's not many teams that would like to welcome them in with, with open arms, but certainly players that they'd love to have on the team. And speaking of the Bruins and Brad Marchand, I mean, they're just playing so well right now. We saw them with a dominating um, effort. It, it, well, Washington certainly held with them on Sunday, but it was a, an impressive effort from the Bruins to really stick it to the top team in the East right now. I want to take a look uh, with the four straight, uh, the Rangers playing well as well with four straight wins against the Devils. We want to take a look at the current odds presented by points bet and the odds for the East division to make the playoffs. Who's in and who's out. You guys, you look at Washington and the Islanders and they actually have less favorable odds right now than Boston and Pittsburgh do um, to make the playoffs. So I'm curious with the top four in that division, is that where it's going to stay? Do you think, or do you think those Rangers are going to get themselves in there? I think it's going to stay the same way. I do think the Rangers are going to push it right to the last couple of games, but I think there's too many good things going on with all four teams ahead of them. The Islanders, I I worry a little bit about. I think they they may be a little bit vulnerable in the absence of Anders Lee, but the Penguins are expecting to get Malkin back any day, uh, at least for a couple games before the regular season ends. They've added Jeff Carter, which will help them. They've played very well in the absence of Malkin. Uh, Dumoulin's return to their lineup has meant a lot more wins and a lot more solid foundation defensively. So the Penguins are a team that I don't see slowing down. I think Kapanen's coming back soon as well. So keep an eye on Pittsburgh. They're kind of going under the radar, but they are a very good team. So the challenge for the Rangers is trying to 
to catch those four teams. And I think it's going to end up that they run out of runway, but they're going to be very entertaining to the end of the season. Yeah, yeah Jonesy, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's those top four teams, and it's just due to a runway, you know, like you said, for the New York Rangers. Um, you know, right now, if I looked at one team, the Islanders are slipping and they're not playing as well. I think Boston is playing their best hockey right now, and they're doing it minus a couple defensemen as well. So I got Tuka Rask back, who's back, back from injury. And um, that was my one question mark with Boston was goaltending with Rask out. And he's coming back and playing like his normal self, like he hasn't missed a beat. So I don't see them, you know, slipping down. And I think Islanders have the big enough cushion on the Rangers right now where, you know, they're, they're not going to be able to catch them at the end of the day. But you're right about Pittsburgh. I love the way they're playing. I think they're two or three points out of first place right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to, you know, fall that low. So it's, uh, I think it's those four teams, but I think there'll be a lot of movement in those four teams of, you know, who finishes first, second, third, and fourth. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I think the Rangers last two games of their year are against Boston. So as a fan, I'm hoping that those games, those games mean something because they'll be, uh, they'd be fun to watch. Yeah, and regardless what happens with the postseason for the Rangers this year, the future is certainly bright for this team. We've seen some really good moments of brilliance from some of their young players right now. Players to get really excited about for the future. Guys like Keandre Miller. I mean, Adam Fox is playing outstanding. You, you know what Lafreniere is capable of. So uh, all good news for the Rangers moving forward. And, you know, you guys, you look at the race, and I think I feel like every division is pretty tight right now, including in the Central Division. And we're going to see two of the teams that are fighting for that final playoff spot on Wednesday Night Hockey this week with Chicago and Nashville. Nashville is a weird team for me to try and figure out because – this is a team that didn't do anything at the trade deadline. I thought maybe David Poyle would want to sell a couple assets to try and gain something for the future because it didn't look like they would be a playoff team. And now all of a sudden they're playing so well, it looks like they could possibly make some noise. I mean, Callie, do you think that this Predators team is capable of getting into the postseason and then making some noise when they get there? Um, on the first part of that question, I definitely think they're capable of, of making the playoffs for making noise when they get there. I see them in that fourth place spot and, you know, if they're playing Carolina or Tampa in that first round, I, I don't see him coming out of that, that series. But I think for David Poyle, his, his not making a move was making a move, you know, if, if that makes sense to you guys. And, um, but for me, as I look at that division, who I'm watching is Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Radulov being out for the year really hurts them. Um, he seems to be like an emotional leader in that team, kind of drags them into the fight. But I like their way they're playing. And I could see them sneaking in there, uh, you know, if Nashville slips up at all or, or Chicago. Um, but I, I really like Dallas for taking that fourth spot. But I'm happy with what Poyle did, not, not making those moves. You could always make them in the summer if you want to change your, you know, change your lineup or change your team. You, you always got the draft to do that. And the way that team was playing and, and how, how much they fought back to get to the point they are, it would have been so deflating for the fans, the organization, the guys in that room for him to go out and sell at home or, you know, one of their top guys. And it just, uh, it wouldn't have went well with the organization, I don't think. So I'm really happy that he didn't do that and put confidence in the group said, Hey, this is our group. Go out there, make the playoffs and, and let's see what we can do with these guys. Yeah. And they're, they're a, they're a tough team to trust. I do agree with you, Callie. They're in a good position to make the playoffs, no doubt. And I don't see them making a lot of noise when the playoffs arrive. There's just too many guys that have too many question marks, but they do have a very good blue line when healthy. Uh, Ryan Ellis returning is huge. Yossi going again is great. Ekholm, who you mentioned, uh, that's one of the better defensive cores in the National Hockey League. So there's a chance for them to knock one of the top teams off, but I find, find it highly unlikely. 
I think Dallas has the best team, our best chance of beating one of the top teams. And if I was one of the top teams, I'd try to make sure that Dallas didn't get in. Like, that would be an important regular season game for me if I was playing the Dallas Stars because they've got, you know, they've proven last year that they could run all the way to the Stanley Cup like they did. They've got size. They have a very good blue line that's active and highly skilled offensively with Klingberg and Haskinen. Uh, they have a, a lot of size up front too, like Hints, who, who can really play and has done a really good job for them. Jamie Benn, you always have to be concerned about when the playoffs are around the corner because he's that type of player. Tyler Sagan, if he returns and is feeling good, there's another weapon that they would, have not had uh, at their uh, hands all season long. So I think Dallas is that good of a team that would be concerning to me if they made it to the playoffs and I was a top-seeded team. So that would mean you guys, you're both kind of in agreement that Chicago is likely out of the playoffs. They're, they're point I think, behind. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't think they get there, but I think they've made major strides this year. They're, they're one of the most surprising teams to me this year. They should be really proud of what they've done. Uh, can't rule them out entirely, but I would, I would be surprised if they were one, the one team that made it into that four seed. So you're, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd like to hear that. <laughs> All right, let's get to the. I agree with you, Jonesy. Though I don't see them making it, and I mean, if you looked at the division beginning of the year, myself included, you had them bottom of that division, right? So yeah. you said similar to I think what the Rangers did last year, surprised a lot of people, and uh, maybe excelled their their rebuild and um, put them ahead of schedule, which is awesome to see for Chicago, and um, it's going to be an exciting team in the future. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, let's get to the cold brew check fueled by Duncan. We shift our attention to the North Division, guys. The Leafs loaded up at the deadline. They've been outstanding top team in that division for the majority of this entire season. Can anyone catch them in the North? Jonesy, what are your thoughts? I don't think they're going to be caught. I think they're that good, and I think that Winnipeg is the next closest team to try to get there. I, the blue line of Winnipeg is a little bit suspect, but they find a way to compete. But Toronto's the team to beat. They added pieces that were necessary to give me confidence that they can win in the playoffs as well. Felino's one of those guys. Wayne Simmons in the offseason. TJ Brody. Uh, they added Muzzin a couple of years ago. They're, they're a much different looking team. They did a lot of the things that Tampa did last year before the, the playoffs arrived and picking up players with a lot of grit, toughness to go around the superstar talents that they have. I feel very comfortable with the Maple Leafs will make a good run this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The, Winnipeg would be the team for me that could catch them. Uh, I really like how they're built up front with size. I think they're really built for the playoffs, Winnipeg. Obviously, Hellebuck and Nett is unbelievable. Um, but for Toronto, it's goaltending. It's my question mark. You know, is Anderson, can he come back and can he play like he, like he can? You know, so um, if I think they're not going into the playoffs, if they go in the playoffs without Anderson or he's not playing, you know, his abilities – I think they're going to have it tough. So it's, uh, that's the one question mark for me, but I love them going out and getting Felino, as you said, it reminds me a lot of Tampa's moves last year. Do you think that this, this team though, this Leafs team, I mean, take them out of the North division and they're, you know, aside from Winnipeg and maybe Calgary at times, not the best competition in the North this season. If you move them down to, let's say the East or the West or the central guys, I mean, are they going to be able to compete against some of the top teams that are playing in the States right now? They, they would really need Anderson then. Like Callie makes a great point. The goaltending is a little 
unnerving. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be where you would want to have Frederick Anderson come in and at least solidify that position. There's been some great stories in net there. The Jack Campbell story is a very good one. You want to cheer for him, but uh, he has not done it enough in his career so far to make me feel confident that he could in the playoffs. And he gets pretty emotional, that kid, too. All of a sudden, you're down 2 nothing in a series. I wouldn't be feeling very confident that he could bounce back. So I think Anderson would be the guy, and uh, hopefully he gets healthy before the playoffs roll around. All right, that was the cold brew check fueled by Duncan. DD Perks members get one free donut with any beverage purchase on Wednesdays. Not a member? That's okay. Download the Duncan app and join. Guys, we have to give a nod to Patrick Marlowe uh, on this podcast. Unbelievable. He's tying. he tied Gordie Howe's record of 1,767 NHL games played at the time that we record this podcast. He is expected to break that record actually this evening after we record this podcast against the Vegas Golden Knights. We wish him the best of luck in doing so. But this is an incredible milestone for a guy that's played with just about every player in the league, it seems like, or against over the last, uh, whatever, 20 years or so. I mean, Callie, you're recently retired. I'll get your perspective first. I mean, having played this style of game for the years you did, what does this milestone mean when you see this for Patrick Marlowe? Absolutely amazing. It's it's astonishing that he's, you know, stayed in the league this long and, and been effective for this long. You know, he's he's been an impact player for you know, all those games that he's played. So it's uh, the one thing about Patrick Marlowe, I don't, I don't know him personally, but talking to players that have played with him or know him, he's a, uh, he's a great person, right? And you have to be, to be able to play this many games in, in the league is being able to be a good teammate, a good person. And um, just a big congratulations to him. Cause I have no idea how his body has held up this <laughs> one to, to do that. I can't even imagine. He's got to have a great family too, because to continue to push right now, it's, he's got to have a great wife at home that's saying, go ahead, because he's obviously not about the money. It's just about playing. And he loves to play the game. Uh, the major commitment that he makes every year, you're away a lot. He's actually moved around a little bit over the last couple of seasons. Uh, he, he is an extremely popular player in whatever locker room he is in. Uh, he's also respected like Cali by the opposition. I think every, player in the league looks at him and looks up to him and the way that he has played the game and how he has uh, demonstrated that uh, you can play hockey and have great class at the same time. Uh, He's done all of that. And it's a remarkable record. Just think of all the injuries you have throughout the years. And just think about this, KT. I played against Patrick Marlowe. So that's, (laughs) that's how long he's, uh, that he's been around. So hats off to him. Tremendous accomplishment. And I know he wants to keep on playing. That's great as well. But this would be kind of a fitting way to, to end it, I would think. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe head home and uh, get on with the next chapter of his life. <laughs> but, I wonder if he remembers but, playing but, against you, Jonesy. I doubt it. I bet it wasn't a very good impression, so I have my doubts. <laughs> good, good to see him do it in the San Jose Sharks jersey as well, right? I mean, I, that's how I picture him is, is in that jersey, so him to tie and break the record tonight in that jersey is, is very fitting. Yeah, it was so weird to see him when he did go to Toronto. But at the same time, the role that he took on when he went to the Maple Leafs, and I just love, you know, one of my favorite Patrick Marlowe stories is what he did taking Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner under his wing, bringing him home, you know, for bringing them home for meals with his little boys as well, and just making them feel like a part of the family. And here he is, the new guy, and he's helping to make these young players in the Leafs feel, um, and, and teaching them along the way, Jones. And I think that's just such an incredible role that he has embraced over the years of being that veteran presence on and off the ice for these players 
Yeah, I would suspect if the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup that those two young players will think of Patrick Marlowe when they're lifting it over their heads. So I, I do think that he has that type of uh, made that type of impression on those guys. So it was a valuable pickup for the Maple Leafs for, for that and the message that he could pass along on just how difficult it is to win a Stanley Cup. It's eluded him throughout his career. It looks like obviously it's going to again this year. Uh, just shows you how hard it is to win that darn thing. Well, guys, it was fun sitting here chatting with you. We could chat all day about hockey, but we're going to part ways. We'll see you on the broadcast in a couple of hours. And for all of our listeners tuning in, we will see you next time for Our Line Starts, fueled by Duncan. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.